line is muted. Only the host can unmute your line. Raise your hand using star 2 so the host knows when you want to speak. This is an interesting topic tonight. Um, again, thank you, Jesse, Simon, uh, Monica, and the rest of you that I have yet to be able to see that are joining us. Pedro Calabandico. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. Enjoy all of your fellowship and your comments. Beautiful thing. Brother Edward Henry should be joining us hopefully on the top of the hour. And thank you, Toronto, uh, for doing me in. And thank you, Rick McKee. Rick, Rick McKee. My goodness. Uh, Rick Buterick. Rhetoric. <laughs> Good evening, Rick. And uh, I've just unmuted you, Rick, so you're with us as well. <laughs> Let's see. Got a good group with us tonight. Um, the topic tonight is, is the Armenian free will Jesus the same Jesus of the Bible? What a topic. Now, I'm sure that some people are going to probably be offended by that topic tonight. However, I think it's a topic that needs to be addressed. Having been brought up in an Armenian free will church, I can tell you that there came a time in my life when I could no longer uh, uphold the free will Jesus. I could no longer uphold the Arminian doctrine because it was in direct opposition to the Bible. So for me, the free will Arminian Jesus is not the same Jesus of the Bible. And so there came a time when I no longer could embrace the lie that we control our own destiny by our choices and so on. I just could not do it. Um, now others, uh, they, they try to have one foot in the Arminian world and one foot in the biblical Jesus world. I don't see how they do it. Uh, I, just, I just don't see how they do it. I've never been able to do that. When they're around, they're, they're just like they're one of them. And then when they're around their friends that uphold the Bible, they try to be like one of them. <laughs> it seems like um, they have two sets of feathers. Remember the old saying, birds of a feather flock together? Well. 
there's a lot of truth to that. And tonight, Brother Edward Henry has been going through quite a quite a battle because he has a lot of people maligning him and telling him he is a private interpretation of scripture and all kind of crazy stuff. And after reading some of the emails that Edward Henry has had to put up with, I'm amazed, because I'm not amazed, but I'm, um, the very thing that they're charging Edward Henry with is what they're doing. They're creating scripture as they go along, making it up, denying scripture. Um, there's no way that a man can accept those things written in the Holy Bible as first opening his heart to the spiritual truths of the Bible. There's just no way. If one accepts that Jesus Christ is the Lord God, creator of the universe, arranged from heaven, he should submit completely to the authority of the scripture. And so, God must change one's heart. It's called being born again. And salvation is not by the will of man, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, John 1, 13. God must draw you, John 6, 44. Unless God draws a man, he will have no desire to be a Christian, absolutely no desire at all to be a Christian. Now, I don't know if you all have experienced this. I certainly have. When I started upholding the Word of God and interpreting the Word of God with Scripture, keeping everything in its proper context, uh, I found out that a lot of the, my so-called fair-weathered friends took a hike. Now, is that that's either Brother Mark or Brother Ed? I can never remember. Your area codes are both similar. Who's that that Hi, just joined us? Hi, Brother Mark. Glad to have you aboard tonight. God and, bless. Yeah, God bless you as well. I'm looking for Brother Edward to join us at any point. We also have Brother Rick with us tonight. Wonderful. Uh, Rick, feel free to jump in anytime you want to. Your mic has been unmuted. As yeah. well as the fact we have... Hello, uh, Mark. Uh, hi, hi, Rick. Rick. Glad to have you with us tonight. And um, we're glad to have Simon, Jesse... Monica, and a number of other uh, people, Pedro Calvendico, um, Jesse Melangara, Rosalind Two, Kyle Shoup. Um, we're thankful for all of your um, all of your fellowship tonight. And um, but anyway, that's. 
kind of been my experience once, uh, Rick, once I learned that um, what the scripture actually said. And obviously, the only I didn't learn it through my knowledge. I learned it through revelation of Jesus Christ by being born again by the Spirit of God. Amen. And, and that's one of the things we have to keep in mind when we're talking about this subject because it has to be revealed. It's not something that we can just sit down and read the Bible and we will we'll have it. It's, it's always good to read the Bible because God will use his Holy Spirit um, to reveal himself through his word. But um, many times we'll read the Bible and... I know this has happened to me. Just recently I was reading a passage and I, 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 all of a sudden I had a wow experience. I go, wow, I've never seen that before. That's the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. Wow. And so, uh, for an example, um, I, had, I had not ever done a study uh, through the Bible until the last year, year and a half, on cosmology because I've always focused on election, predestination, redemption, salvation, um, preservation, our glorification. And even though I had taught science in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and even though I taught the creation um, account, I had to stop teaching it because I was told I could not teach it in a Christian school <laughs> for all, uh, because the logic that the, the administrator gave me was that how can our children, how are they going to make it in college if you're teaching them something that's contradictory to what they're going to learn in college? Well, you know what? A lot of us have learned things in college that are contradictory to Scripture that we've had to unlearn, <laughs> okay? Um, and I often think about those 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students that I taught. If they, I just hope, well, we know that if it was meant for God to reveal it through my teaching the creation account, then uh, now it looks like that Brother Ed has just joined us. Hold on one second. Good evening, Ed. How are you? I am well, thank you. Good, good. Well, we're all uh, waiting um, in, you know, really looking forward to tonight's topic. We've had quite a number of people that have joined us on Facebook and, and talk to on both sides of the aisle. And I was just sharing before you came on um, that because I was raised in a free will Arminian background, I was always taught the free will Arminian Jesus. And when I was born again by the Spirit of God at 37 years old, all of a sudden all of the scriptures meant something totally different than what I had been taught because they, would, they had been taken out of context. And I found myself worshiping a totally different Jesus than all the people that had been brought had brought me up in teaching me the other Jesus. And it was quite a shock. 
and you've heard the saying, birds of a feather flock together. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, all of those birds that used to flock with me didn't flock with me anymore, okay? So, Ed, I'm going to turn this over to you, and I share briefly with the audience kind of some of the dialogue that this gentleman went with emails back and forth. I've never seen so much slanderous attacks on people that he attacked you, and, and the very thing that he was accusing you of which was taking the Bible and using your own private interpretation. He was making stuff up as he went along. He wasn't even using the Bible, okay? And so it's like the very charges that he was laying against you was what he was participating in. I want to shut up and kind of let you get in, introduce this subject, and uh, get into it a little bit. Welcome aboard. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, this, uh, this topic actually was given rise to by a series of emails that um, I had with this gentleman who remain unnamed, and he, he actually emailed me out of the blue to ask me, uh, a, you know, questions about my position on the sovereignty of God. So I explained it to him in detail with Scripture, and apparently um, he he, uh, he was doing this not in good faith. And I told him that after a while, I, I being it became clear that he wasn't asking because he wanted to learn, although he claimed that that's why he was asking. Uh, he was asking because he wanted to argue. And uh, he, he repeatedly, he repeatedly referred to uh, what I was saying as uh, my own private interpretation, okay? So uh, he, um, I would cite for him passages, okay, and and another thing he did, which, which is really interesting, and you see this a lot with Arminians, he would repeatedly say how much he loved me, and he accepted me as a brother, yet in the next sentence, he would turn me over to Satan. <laughs> and he would, he would turn me over to Satan to deal with, okay, um, because I made it clear to him that he was worshiping a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. So... Um, I said that his Jesus was ineffectual and could not save him. And so, you know, he, um, he then would turn back to me and say, well, your Jesus of predestination means that God must be a devil. I mean, he literally said that. He said wow. that predestination means God is the devil. And he said wow. that his predestined plan is that he wants, because I also made the point that, uh, you know, God creates good and evil. And again, uh, he, he had a hard time with that concept. And so he views a God who would do that, who, who would create evil as, as the devil. So what you have to understand, okay, is that... Uh, when faced with Isaiah 45.7, now Arminians are faced with a choice. Because in Isaiah, it makes it clear that God said, I form the light and create darkness. This is God speaking. Okay, you can't argue yeah. with this. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Okay? Now, uh, he has a hard time with that, and he says, well, that's your private interpretation. No, that's a quote from the Bible. 
So he tried to find something in the Bible to refute that, right? So he comes back with Lamentations 337 and 8, okay? Actually, I think he just cited 338. I had to put it in context, but I came out. And so what he said was, he said that, uh, and he quotes 338, he says, out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Now, okay, that, if you take that phrase, it, it seems to suggest that, that's, that, that it's saying that out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Well, that's not exactly, see, the voice inflection also carries meaning. And so what he right. was trying to get away with was he was trying to say that that was a statement. It was not a statement. It was a question. So when you look at it right. in context, it says, who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass when the Lord commanded us not, which is a question. And then it says, out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not good, uh, uh, not evil and good is a question. So, so out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good? Okay, that's how it's supposed to be said. In other words, right. Right. out of the mouth of the Most High proceeds evil and good. See, so that's, and, and of course, that's what he does. He, he twists things, okay, uh, and that's what Armenians will do. And so what it illustrates is that there is a real um, a clear distinction between the Armenian God and the God of the Bible clear distinction. So I would cite for him, for example, um, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And he, he cannot address that. Okay, he refused to address that. I, I cited it, that to him like three or four times, okay? And he could not, and, and that's not the only uh, uh, passage I cite, Romans 8, 29 and 30, okay? So, and I also, he said, well, well, show me in the Bible where God also, therefore, according to your theology, he must predestine the lost to, to hell. And, okay, Isaiah 29, 10. Uh, for the Lord poureth out upon you a spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. And of course, if you if you um, if you read Romans eleven seven and nine, uh, it says, "But the elect hath obtained it salvation." Okay, but the rest were blinded, according as it is written, "God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear." So they don't see or hear the gospel because God has blinded their eyes. See. So I tried to explain his principles to him, and it was like talking to the four winds. Um, this is, we, we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, uh, 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 of darkness in high places, because this guy, uh, he, he would not listen to reason. It was very frustrating, and I realized I was actually uh, violating a principle, a biblical principle, where you should warn him once or twice, and that's it. And uh, right. actually, I was wrong to continue the discussion as long as I did. All right. So my frustration um, was my own fault, really. And that was, and I told him so at the end <laughs> yeah. uh, that, you that figured, fact, yeah. I, I kept it you, going too long. Yeah, you, you figured it out. You figured it out. You let him yeah. know in no uncertain terms that you knew exactly what he was doing. And, you know, that brings up another question, and that is, uh, 
this this is kind of near and dear to me because I have had this happen on numerous occasions. Uh, a number of people uh, will <laughs> they 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 act like they are they have two sets of feathers. They have Armenian feathers and they have biblical feathers, and it just depends on who they're with as to what feathers they're wearing. Okay. And I'll give you an example. I know a, a pastor who all of his um, relatives are Arminians. <clears throat> and when he's, when he's together with them, he's just one of the good old boys. But then mm-hmm. when he's with those, then when he's with those uh, like the people with us tonight who are strong on the sovereignty of God in salvation and, and in, in election and everything, he he wears those feathers. Now my experience has been I can't wear two sets of feathers. I can't have one foot in the Armenian world and one foot in the biblical world because it's it's duplicitous. What are your uh, what's your response to 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 what I'm saying, Brother Ed? No, I I, I agree with what you're saying. How can you? I mean, such a bird could not fly. And how can, <laughs> how can you have, like, a, a bee of two minds? And this idea of having fellowship, it's like having spiritual fellowship uh, with, I mean, this is not people, these are not people who are pretending to be in the world, okay? All right. right. I, mean, I, I should say that are not in the world. These are people who are pretending to be separate from the world. These are people who are pretending to be uh, God's elect, all right? And these are That's supposed to be preachers of the gospel, and yet they preach a gospel which is, which is a gospel of Buddhism. It's the gospel of Islam. It's the gospel of Roman Catholicism. It is the gospel of Benny Hinn. This is a, a gospel where it's a, it's a God who is not in the Bible, okay? And in fact, these, the, the idea that we worship the same God as Armenians and that, that, we're, that we're just, we just have a, a disagreement over non-essentials, no way. This is the core of the gospel, okay? And, uh, in fact, they, uh, Dr. Robert Olson uh, wrote a book, all right? And he, um, no, I'm sorry, uh, he was asked, he was asked, um, no, uh, he actually wrote a book, but he, was at, he gave a rendition about what, what he would do. Hold on here, wait, wait, wait. Are many of the others, no, Rod, yeah, Dr. Roger Olson stated, okay, that if, if uh, it was determined that the God of the Bible was as the Calvinists say, but we don't, I don't follow Calvin, and neither, you know, neither should anybody, but bottom line is the sovereign God of the Bible, he said right, he could not right. worship such a God. He referred to such a God as a moral monster, okay, which yeah. is not at all different from what this guy was talking to in, in the email, calling God right. who who creates evil, God who elects his, uh, um, his, his chosen before the foundation of the world, uh, the devil. So this is, these people, they, they clearly, I mean, the, 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 the bad, these are battle lines that are clearly drawn, and it is an undermining of the gospel. They are preaching a different Jesus, um, yep. and this idea, and they have a, they have a ministry, by the way, which is completely unbiblical. They have a, a form of governorship over the church, which is completely unbiblical. 
Okay, and it all stems from this perverted theology, and it is a perverted theology. Well, I remember I've, I've shared this with 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 uh, sermon audio audience before. I remember the first time I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers, who used to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and of course he pastored a very large mega church in Tennessee. I've been to his church, by the way. I've met, I have met Dr. Adrian Rogers. He's now deceased, but I heard him do a message on the ninth chapter of Romans, and he basically called God a monster too. Uh, as he was as he was doing the exposition on the ninth chapter of Romans, he began to say, "And if you believe that, okay, speaking of the Bible, if you believe that, then you believe God is a monster and a tyrant, because people interpret this erroneously." Is what he said. People interpret this erroneously to mean that God predestined some as vessels fitted for wrath and predestines others as vessels fitted for honor. Well, that's what it says. That's exactly what it says. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't and say so, See, they think, they think you're interpreting it to mean that. No, that's what, the, that's what it says. <laughs> I mean, that's right. what the words say. Yeah, exactly right. Correct. Yeah, but they call, it, they call it a private interpretation. That's your private interpretation. And, you know, the words mean that. Uh, in fact, I, I actually pinned down this guy in an email and asked him point by point uh, with regard to John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I asked him point by point, okay, um, is that a fact that those who are elect are born not of the will of the flesh? And then I said, and not of the will of man. And I said, but of the will of God. And he agreed in every one of those points. <laughs> but, but then he disagreed with, with the conclusion from that, that man does not have a free will to elect, to, to, to choose, to, um, to believe in God. So even though salvation is not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, he says it is still by man's free will, that man has a free will to, to choose to believe or not in Christ, even though he agreed that because it says that it's not of the will of man, salvation, that, uh, I, you know, so, I mean, he's, he's double-minded. And, and so when you pin them down, they'll agree with what the Scripture says. But then they'll say, but that man still has a free will. No, it says, it, it says here, not by the will of man. So if it's not by the will of man, whether it, be, whether it be free or otherwise, it's not by the will of man. It's by the will of God. So, yeah. Right. Well, another thing, another thing they will do, and I've had a number of people do this to me. Um, one of the biggest things that Arminians hate is they hate the doctrine of original sin. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, if you take them to the fifth chapter of Romans, where it talks about in Adam they all died, and in Christ we were made alive. Uh, they, they just get all bent out of shape out of that. And I had a fellow tell me, a pastor tell me, or a minister tell me, you know, you're never going to make me responsible for Adam's sin. I said, I'm not making you anything. That's what the Bible says. So I took him to the fifth chapter of Romans and he showed him that. And he said, you know what you're doing? He said, they taught 
they taught us this in in Bible college. You're proof texting. <laughs> That's one of their favorite what? favorite things. So you're proof texting. I said yes. I'm proving my points out of the text of the Bible. That's exactly what I'm doing. Well, see, that's just another phrase they'll use. They'll use all these phrases like private interpretation, proof texting, denying common grace, denying the general call, denying the um, well-meant offer of the gospel. All of those phrases are seminary phrases to get you around talking and explaining properly and interpreting properly the Bible. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. How about how about this one? Double predestination. And, <laughs> and they, they use it as a pejorative. They use it as a pejorative to 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 mean that uh, oh you 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 can't have that. That's that's a that's a heresy. And I, I heard wow. that one time. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, isn't that exactly what God did? I mean, I'm thinking. So they think that, okay, if God predestined, that means he predestined everything, which means that not only is it double, it's triple and quadruple predestination. I, I don't, you know, the idea that you can only have uh, predestination, predestination, but not double predestination, you know. Well, see, when, when R.C. Sproul first started, uh, he was a double predestinarian. In other words, he was superlapsarian. Uh, I'm not going to get into all those fancy phrases, but basically what R.C. Sproul used to teach was that God was sovereign in predestination and reprobation. In other words, he was sovereign in predestinating those to be recipients of his grace, and he was sovereign in creating vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. And then he departed from that as he got older and down through time he softened and he became what we call a partial predestination person. In other words, what he said is God predestinates all of his sheep for election and the way he fits those for destruction is allowing people to fit themselves for destruction. That's a lie. That is that is oh. a direct that is a direct contradiction from the passage in Romans because Romans makes it very clear the children being not yet born, not having done any good or evil, while they were yet in their mother's womb, in Rebecca's womb, they weren't born yet, they hadn't done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So God loved Jacob before he was born, and he hated Esau before he was born. But R.C. Sproul changed all of that and said he loved Jacob before he was born, but Esau, after he was born, fitted himself for destruction by his own sin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I've heard a lot of pastors say, well, hate hate really doesn't mean hate. It means that um, uh, it means he loved him less. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's what they would say, and I, I would look at that and go, "Really? Uh, you know?" Uh, and this is I'm going back now 30 years, uh, but I remember pastors saying that. Well, that's one of the reasons, and you've got the book. One of the reasons that prompted me to write the book 
that God does not love everyone, but it, he but he does love his elect from everlasting to everlasting is because that is the genre that I've been uh, living with the last 64 years, that God loves everyone. And if anyone uh, is not a recipient of his grace, it's because people have rejected his grace because he wants them to be saved. He desires, he does not desire the death of the wicked. And then they take, we know the, the passage out of Peter 3, 9, they take that out of context, leave out a word, us word, and, and just like Franklin Graham does, they make that universal, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Well, here's the thing. Most people have not read the Old Testament. They just haven't. And so I challenge people in this book, and I, I go, I spend about 90% of the book is not Larry Phillips's writings. It's just, it's just scripture right out of the Bible that shows that God has two separate peoples. He's got those for whom he has loved and he has shown his mercy and grace to, and he's got those he has not loved and he has not shown his grace to. Now, it's true that in the Old Testament, um, there was a lot of the Israelites that he didn't love as well, that were not elect. And we, I show that as well in the book. I also show in the New Testament that it's very obvious that he has identified a, a massive group of people that he says that they are not of his father, they're of their father the devil, and the works of their father they will do. Once people understand, now, I know it goes against the flesh, I know it's not palatable, but once people understand that God does not love every single person without exception. Now, if there's one exception, that blows the whole argument that he loves everyone. There's one exception. We've already mentioned Esau. We know in the Old Testament he did not love a whole group of pagan people, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites. And he told the Israelites to go out and slay them utterly, including women and children. Now, if that's God showing and demonstrating his love, it's a strange way for him to do that. The other thing is, we know that we have the example in the New Testament of Judas, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Christ said it would have been better that he not even be born because he recognized him as what he was, which was a vessel of wrath fitted for destruction. Okay, yeah. so... That's where, that's where the pedal meets the metal. People cannot accept the fact that God doesn't love everyone, Ed. That's the problem. They cannot accept it. Now, the only way they will yeah. accept it is if, they are, if it's revealed to them by the Holy Spirit, if they're born again by the Spirit of God. And I used to know an old German lady, and she would, she would say, uh, and she was a little crude, but anytime someone started talking about, oh, God loves everybody, she goes, Jacob, I love you, so I've hated. <laughs> and then she, and that was her, and she would say, they would say, what did you say? She said, you heard what I said, you just didn't want to hear it. 
She said, you know what it says. She goes, you know that God doesn't love everybody. You know God has vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. You just won't buy it because you're not born again. She goes, you're of your father the devil. <laughs> now, I, I and I used to shake my head with her. I thought, wow, you know, she's but she was real crude. But, you know, she told the truth. The problem is if people reject the word of God is what Ed was saying. They're not, they're not, they are not embracing the Jesus of the Bible. They're embracing a false doctrine and a false Jesus. You know, I, and I'm going to just share something on a personal note. I, you know, now look, my mother will always be my biological mother. I can't change that. Okay. And just like Brother Ed says, anytime I talk to my mother, she always tells me, I want you to know that I'm praying for you, and I usually don't say a word. Because first of all, in reality, I don't want her praying for me. To her God, she's praying to a different God. She's not praying yep. to the God that I pray to. Secondly, is she always, like Brother Ed says, she always says, we love you and we pray for you every night during our devotions. We pray for you and your family. And see, what she's wanting me to do is reciprocate and saying, I'm praying for her. Do you know there's a passage in Jeremiah where it tells Jeremiah not to pray for certain people? So what I'm trying to say here is I think you're on to something, Ed, that we're living in a society of people out there that 99% of them, I don't think that's too high, are worshiping this false Jesus, this free will Jesus, that is not even a biblical Jesus. Do you think that my percentages are out of line? Uh, the percentage is very high, okay. And right. um, with regard to with regard to the, the Jesus that they worship, it's interesting. I was just looking today at first John chapter five, and this is really an interesting passage, okay. Um, the, the passage in, uh, let's see, verses 10 through 14, okay? Now, this is really interesting. Um, let me find, okay, all right. Uh, it says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. And it says, uh, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Notice how it says, you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will. He heareth us. Okay, so first of all, it's according to his will. Second of all, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I started thinking about that, and I went back to Exodus. And Moses was asking God, well, what, who should I tell them has sent me? What's your name? And God said, I am that I am. And he said, uh, tell the children of Israel, say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, right. moreover unto Moses, thou shalt, uh, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. 
So what does it mean to believe on the name of the Son of God? I mean, you look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, it says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Okay, so the name is what, it, 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 it's, it's who that person is. Okay, right. when they talk yeah. about the name of the Son of God, it's who Jesus is. Okay, so Absolutely. when God said, I am, he was explaining who he is. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Okay, I am telling you by I am that I am. Okay, I am, that's who, it's not the name, it's, he's describing who he is. So the name right. of the Son of God is who he is. You have to believe in who he is. You can't make a God of your own imagination. It's who he is. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That is who Jesus is, see? That's and exactly so you right. Can't have, you, You're absolutely yeah, you can't right. have a different, a different Jesus. You nailed it. Because if, you, if a person says, I love Jesus, and they don't embrace what Jesus taught, for an example. They don't embrace what Jesus said. They don't embrace who Jesus said he was. They don't embrace Jesus' attributes. Then they're not embracing Jesus. They're embracing someone That's else. That's right. That's right. You know, like for an example, uh, I've shared this many times, but uh, when, I, when I shared the gospel with my mother, Okay, especially the passage out of Romans 9. She said, quote, you know what I believe, end quote. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't important what the Bible said. I had just went over the whole ninth chapter of Romans with her. I'd gone over John 17 with her and John 6 with her and John 10 with her. But she, her answer was, you know what? I believe. In other words, it wasn't important what Christ taught, his disciples taught, the prophets taught, the Bible taught. It was more important what she believed. And that's 90%. And by the way, that goes back to the same thing that happens with Judaism. They are not teaching what the Torah teaches. They're teaching what oral tradition teaches. And they'll tell you, you don't know what we believe. If you knew what we believe, you'd understand Judaism, but you don't know what we believe. Well, now there are a lot of people that are becoming to understand what they believe because now you can get and read, you can actually read the Babylonian Talmud and see that they believe in a Jesus that is soaking in urine, okay? They hate Jesus Christ. They, they abhor Jesus Christ. Well, that goes back to what Ed was saying. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, if, they, if, they're, if people are not embracing the, the Jesus that's the way, the only way, the truth, and the life, what Jesus are they embracing and upholding? And so I, I think you nailed it, Ed. I think um, now I will say this: that a lot of people will take a hike when they hear this this talk show tonight. A lot of people will will get angry 
they'll say that, well, Larry and Ed are too narrow-minded. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, your problem is, he goes, you're too too heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. That's what he said. You're too narrow-minded, you know. Well, narrow-minded in the Bible, in, in the world's terms, means that you're not willing to compromise. You're not willing to go along with what the system is saying, whether it's cosmology or whether it's whatever. But this subject that you're on to tonight, to me, is at the crux of the matter because um, I just did a message over the weekend to flat earthers. You know, I listen to a lot of flat earthers, and they say a lot of good things about the Bible regarding cosmology, but they totally deny election and predestination and want to uphold the humanistic doctrine of free will. They need to uh, be consistent. If they're going to uphold the doctrine of biblical cosmology, uphold the biblical doctrine of soteriology. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Brother Ed. Yeah, the, 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 the problem with, with most who have just discovered the truth of the flat earth is that right. they're, coming, they're coming from a perspective, uh, an Arminian perspective. And so, uh, and, and I, think, I think we have to look at it in this, these terms. You have to look at it from, okay, when they are presented with passages that, that clearly illustrate the sovereign grace of God, if they reject that, Okay, as many of these Arminians do, as this Dr. Olson did, and says that he would not, he would refuse to worship or submit to such a God, and that he considered such a God a moral monster, okay, um, I think they're looking at what Luke 19 uh, says, 1927, uh, where Jesus talked about those who would refuse to submit to the king's authority, okay, to, to his reign. And he said, but these my enemies, which was not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Okay, so if they're presented with a sovereign God who rules from heaven, uh, makes both good and evil, predestines his elect, and they refuse to accept that as as the God that they will worship, then they have rejected God. So they exercise their free will, okay, to to basically conjure a genie, uh, a genie type God who will give them what they want, and they get to stay in control. They get their wishes granted by their genie Jesus, okay, and that's what the Arminians have. They have like a genie Jesus, and they they like to quote uh, John. Uh, 3.16, by saying that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, well that is accurate, okay? But what, the key thing that they don't understand is the context. It says, okay. for God so loved the world. Okay, and by the way, this is their favorite passage, okay? Their yeah. favorite passage. But, but, but you have to read it in the Nicodemus who approached Jesus at night, and he was a man of the Pharisees and a ruler of the Jews, okay, a master of Israel. And what Jesus was pointing out to Nicodemus was that God so loved the world, not just the Jews, 
but both the Jews and the Gentiles, and that he's going to die for Jews and Gentiles, not just the Jews, that the Messiah, the Christ, has come to redeem the world, okay? That means all kinds of people, not just Jews. So it didn't mean, it doesn't mean he loves everyone head, head for head. It means he loves all kinds of people, Jew and Gentile. So that's what that means. And so they take it out of context. They don't understand the, the scripture and the fact that uh, for thousands of years prior to that, God's uh, plan was illustrated through Israel, okay? And right. his, his, the gospel uh, always was that he was that he the plan always was that he was to save the world, both Jew and Gentile, from the beginning. That's right. right. That's exactly right. And and you know that's another thing is whenever we talk about God's love, um, I remember early on um, Jerry Falwell was a very strong. Of what he would call himself, um, he was coming from a more of a reform perspective. And he, I remember in his early days of ministry, he would teach on election. And he would take even, even have messages on a particular redemption. Do you know one of the last messages Jerry Falwell taught at his Liberty University? At the university, he did a speech at the university entitled, Limited atonement is heresy. <laughs> okay. And so his last, one of his very last messages was to come against the particular redemption of Jesus Christ. And made, and what he did in that message is he made man responsible for his own salvation through choosing Christ of the merits of his atonement that was made possible for everyone. And so that's exactly, this is the kind of people that they like to put up there in so-called Christian leadership. People like Jerry Falwell, people like Dr. James Dobson, who is, uh, is teaching psychoheresy. That's all I can say is psychoheresy. People like uh, um, James Robertson, okay? These Southern Baptists, free will, Arminian, they teach a potential salvation. They don't teach an absolute affection salvation. Mm. And so all of these people are in the same camp, whether it's Benny Hinn. I got an invitation from Benny Hinn yesterday to be a part of one of his groups. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. A personal invitation from Benny Hinn to be participate in one of his selective groups. I get all these invitations from these heretics, okay? And I just say I have no interest in having an association with you, okay? And that's this is why this is why it's you know it would so many people. This is why John MacArthur right now is is drinking the Kool-Aid with a lot of these people that four or five years ago he wouldn't have thought about sitting down and having fellowship with, okay? He wants the acceptance of other people. He wants to be just like R.C. Sproul in his later years. 
just like Billy Graham. Billy Graham, when Billy Graham started out, he taught some truth. But he was, I mean, from the get-go, as you know, Brother Ed, I mean, Billy Graham was owned. He, I mean, look who funded him. Who, look who funded his, his first, the Hearst family. And all, yeah. Christian, all of these Christian leaders that are put up on a pedestal, okay, right today. I mean, one of the one of the key people that John MacArthur has really locked step with is Rick Warren. Okay, Rick Warren. All you have to do is do a study about Rick Warren. His purpose-driven life. Is a, is a book that promotes the free will of man. That's what that book is about, the free will of man. All you have to do is read it. I've done a whole study, a research uh, sermon on Rick Warren. And now MacArthur is, join, is basically fellowshipping with Rick Warren. You know, now Piper, that's another one. Why I'm calling these people out is because these people are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're teaching another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. I'm just saying John MacArthur doesn't teach some things that are biblical. But when you align yourself and associate with people that are antithetical, anti-biblical, like Rick Warren, it's back to what we were saying about the feathers. You know, birds of a feather flock together. Your thoughts, yeah. uh, Brother Well, as far as John MacArthur goes, I have great suspicions about him. Uh, and again, uh, what we have with John MacArthur is what we have with many of these effective speakers. They follow the Greek right. model, okay, these churches. So they have gifted orders, and certainly he is gifted, okay, uh, and he is a great orator, all right. But if you sit and listen and you read your Bible as he speaks, um, he does preach uh, a lot of heresy, okay? So he's a dispensationalist. Um, he believes in the pre-tribulation rapture. He has also now uh, what compromised on the Bible version issue, all right? So he has now the MacArthur Study Bible, which he has just introduced recently in the New International Version, which he has which he has repeatedly criticized, but yet yes, he, has. he now he now has now has brought out his study Bible in the NIV. All right, so um, he and 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 you mentioned Billy Graham. Oh boy, that man is just plain evil. That man yeah. is just plain evil. Uh, first of all, he's a Freemason. All right, and the God of and a high Freemason, by the way, uh, and so. And Freemasons worship Lucifer. Uh, at his revivals, he would have uh, people who came forward on this phony uh, decision thing that he would call people, this altar call, uh, if they, they would ask him what church they're coming from. So if they're Roman Catholics, they would give them a decision card that would bring them right back to the Catholic Church. If they were Jews, they would bring them, they would give them decision cards which would bring them right back to the synagogue. So, uh, John MacArthur, or I mean, I mean uh, Billy Graham, uh, when he would tour throughout the world, and in South America, he was soundly criticized for destroying the churches in South America, the Christian churches, who were terribly persecuted in the, in the uh, primarily Roman Catholic countries. Uh, so that, that man was just plain evil. And uh, um, Hurst puffed him that's, up. 
Yeah, that same thing happened in China. Uh, the underground churches okay. in China were severely persecuted when Billy Graham went over there and went mainstream in the main churches, and and that that resulted in a lot of persecution of the underground churches in China. And by the way, while we're on it, I wanted to bring up, I got your email, Brother Ed, and I wanted to bring this up so people would be aware of this. Um, all a number of years ago, I was really uh, listening to different uh, debates and argumentation on um, on the proper um, ecclesiology as well as soteriology, the doctrine of Christ, and I listened a lot to Dr. James White. Now, Dr. James White did a very um, well-known debate with Hunt. Now, Hunt is a hyper-Arminian, and I remember when I heard that debate with Dr. James White and Hunt, I was given James White all the attaboys because he really nailed it. Um, of course, he was going by the five points of Calvinism. He, he calls himself a Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe in infant baptism. But anyway, uh, as I followed James White, I started to become very concerned on several points. Like Brother Ed said, uh, James White is, is very articulate. He's a phenomenal speaker. He's very believable. He makes very strong points in his argumentations and so on. But one of the things I noticed about Dr. James White, and I also pointed this out to my wife in regards to John MacArthur, they're very cocky, meaning that they're always right and everybody else is always wrong. They have the final say on everything. Okay, that right there throws up a yellow flag to me when I see someone like that. Now, James White started started this whole series on proper translation of the Bible, and he got into the original Hebrew and the original Greek and all of this stuff, and then he starts attacking the King James Version of the Bible as not being the latest, greatest version out there. Now, this is another this is another area that we probably need to do a broadcast sometime on it, uh, on the versions of the Bible. But I want you to just address this a little bit because I know you followed uh, James White as well. Um, it seems like now he is actually attacking the King James Version of the Bible or parts of it, is not even not even being preserved by God. I heard him make a statement about Revelation, part of the chat, the verses in Revelation, as being mistranslated and all this. What, what's your response to, to this uh, situation? No, with I, Dr. Believe, I believe you're correct. I, I believe you're correct. If you listen to what he says, he does actually bring out points uh, where, and, and I believe I believe that uh, he is knowingly uh, misleading. The public, okay. So he yeah. he he knows too much to be saying what yeah. he's saying and not know that it's not true. So I, I really yeah. believe that that uh, this man is. He, I mean, I, I don't know what his background is. I don't know what secret clubs he's in. But this guy knows too much to be able to say what he's saying and not know it's not true. If that if that makes sense to you. So so he's willing. He's willfully deceiving. He's willfully deceiving about 
the King James Bible, and he's pointing out things that are supposed to be um, uh, that that are errors in the King James, which are not errors at all. Okay, it's a deception. It is it is a very clever deception, and um, he who pays the piper calls the tune. So I'd like to know who is funding him. So that would be good to know because once you find yeah, out who the money men are behind these people, you really find out. Where they, and, I'll, and I'll tell you right now, most of the time, when you look at the money behind these people, you're going to find Jewish money. Wow, that's, that's that a with, really With Schofield, Schofield was supported by Jewish money. Um, Billy Graham, uh, well, I, I'm sure the Jews were behind him. In fact, he, he acknowledged that he spoke frequently with a famous rabbi, okay? He spoke frequently with the Roman Catholic Church. So th- let me tell you. You follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. If you can determine where these people are getting their money, you can determine why they compromise, okay? And I'm telling you right now, uh, James White knows too much about, about the Bible, too much about the, um, uh, the, the original um, uh, uh, scrolls and ancient manuscripts to come up with some of the stuff he's saying and not know that it's not true. Yeah, and you know, I'm a simpleton, and this is something that uh, I know it fury infuriates a lot of people. In fact, uh, there's been several people that have basically cut their relationship off with me personally because my statement is that if a person starts questioning the authorized King James Version of the Bible, they're not questioning the authorized King James Version of the Bible. They're questioning God's ability to preserve his word over the last 400 years. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly. That, that's exactly. the issue. It's, and so, you yep. know, once they, put, once they put the question in people's mind about God's ability to preserve his word, then they can go anywhere they want to. They can take you anywhere they want to take you. They can take you to any scrolls in somebody's waste can in Vatican, whatever. And so I, the, the issue is on the preservation of God's word. And this goes back to what we're talking about tonight because Scripture says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He has preserved his word. And I've heard people talk about, well, what about the italics, you know, in the King James Version, all of this stuff. And I just go right back to the same thing. I go, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the translators. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the italics. I don't care what you're talking about. It was all ordained and decreed by God. Amen. Yep. You yep. know. And see, anyway, Satan, that, Satan cannot destroy God's word. So he must right. create diversions. And that's what these new Bible versions are. He can't destroy God's word, okay? So he has to create diversions to take people's eyes off of God's word. And so all of these other Bibles are inspired by Satan himself. Right. Right. I remember when I was in seventh grade, of course, my, my parents were still... Well, they still do celebrate the pagan holiday of Christmas. And my aunt got my brother and me a new Bible. And I, I opened the Bible up, and I looked on the back of it, and it said, Revised Standard Version. 
And, you know, even as a seventh grader, I knew something is not right about this Bible. It's just something is not right. It drew questions in my mind. Why do we always, why, the very title, okay, Revised Standard Version, Revised. You know, it kind of, that's why I've had such problems with subscribing to creeds, confessions, and synods, and sessions. Do you know how many times the Westminster Confession has been changed? I mean, these creeds, you know, I know that some of them are good, but why do they keep changing them? Why do they keep revising them? Because somebody doesn't like it. And that's why they're revising all these Bibles. That's why they're changing all the translations. And they always like to go to the favorite little tactic. Of you got to know the original Hebrew and Greek. No, you do not. That's right. We That's have right. authorized King James Version of the Bible. In the English, I usually tell people when they start down that, well, you got to go back to read. You can't understand this if you don't know the, the original Hebrew and Greek. I go, stop right there. I go, do you speak English? They go, yes. I go, well, if you speak English, you have an English-authorized version of the Bible. That's all you need. Now, I know that a lot of people say, oh, Larry's really a simpleton. He doesn't want to have the discipline. Look, I took Greek. I took, I took New Testament Greek, and I took enough to realize that I had all I needed in an authorized King James Version of the Bible. And I think it's just another power play, a way of mind-controlling people saying, I'm up here, you're down here. You've got to listen to me, the Pope of Hebrew and Greek. Well, that's a that's a good point because uh, if you study the King James and you study what the translators did, <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. But there's actually passages which are um, improvements on the Hebrew and Greek, okay, particularly <laughs> the in Greek, and so. When people say, when they start off with their comment like, and they say, well, it's not double inspiration. The original signatures were inspired, and the, the translators were not inspired. Well, yes, they were. Yes, they yes. were. Okay? And in fact, inspiration is what happens when you read the Bible through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Inspiration Amen. is what you, what you understand from reading Scripture. That's the inspiration God's referring to. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So to understand it, you must be inspired. If they weren't inspired, what were they doing? They're, they're not, they were not heathen translators. Okay? So that's a really, that's that takes God's hand out of it. Well, I'll tell you what, this hour has literally flown by. We're already at the end of the hour. But I'm really glad that we had this broadcast tonight because we've covered a lot of ground. And the, the reality of it is, if you're worshiping a free will Arminian Jesus, you're not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. And I know that's going to tick a lot of people off. I know a lot of people, it's going to set them in orbit. <laughs> Notice I said in orbit. Uh, they're not. That they're going to. They're going to be just as upset about that as saying that the Earth is stationary and doesn't move. I've come to the conclusion that the heliocentric cosmology 
and the Arminian theology is one and the same, spinning through space. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, Brother Ed, do you have any final comments before we uh, close out tonight? Uh, yes, with regard to um, the – it just – actually, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. What is it you were Which, just saying? What is it you were just saying about Arminianism? Because you were making a good point. I was going to build on that. Well, we were just talking about the fact that there's there's only one true Jesus. Okay, there's yeah. only one true Jesus. There's only one true theology. There's not. There, you know, all paths don't lead to God. Only Jesus leads to God. He says he is the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I am that I am. And so uh, I'm glad that you brought this up, uh, and I know it was spurred on. And maybe the Holy Spirit might have sent this guy, that sent this email to you, just so that we would have this. Well, we know that all things are ordained by God. That happened. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was I, – yeah, yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that, that – you have to understand, the Arminians do not want to break fellowship with what they call Calvinists. You'll notice that clearly. They will constantly say how much they love us, okay? All right? Yeah. Why? Because if, if, if it is realized by the, by the, by the Arminians, they want to gather that, in fact, there is clearly a distinction between Arminianism and God's sovereign grace, then people will start looking at it and going, wait a minute, you mean there's not, I mean, there is a schism here? There's one or the other? It's, it is yeah. important, see? So they always, yeah. that's why this guy, they, he, he, he said, you know, he wanted to have fellowship with me, okay? He wanted to accept me as a brother, you know? He said, I love you, okay? He said all of these things. They don't want to break fellowship, okay? With those who take, who who believe in the God of the Bible as sovereign, because then to do that would suggest that this is important. That this is important. <laughs> That's right. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Yeah. They want, and they can't stand the fact, okay, that there are those out there that are proclaiming something totally in contradistinction to what they're proclaiming. And we're proclaiming, we're, we're preaching and teaching the gospel, and they're proclaiming their teaching and preaching the gospel, then they can't be the same thing. No, and no. so you're right. But they won't. You're but at, they, but, they, but yeah. they'll say, oh, we're a brother in Christ, and we can agree to yeah. disagree. No, we can yeah. disagree. How about that one? <laughs> right. There you yeah. go. That's good. Well, that's a good. That's a good way to end it. So we disagree with all the Arminian free will teachers out there, and we don't consider ourselves to be in fellowship with them. Okay, and so uh, you know that that now if they are our enemies, we're commanded to love our enemies. Okay, we're not saying we don't love them. We're just saying we don't agree with them, and we're not in fellowship with them. So thank you, Brother Ed, for for covering that tonight. And I want to thank all of our guests that have joined us on TalkShoe and Facebook. And uh, Brother Ed, let's let's further explore, if you want to consider it, let's further explore this um, 
the, the translations and the new versions of the Bible next Monday night. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would really be – I know you've done a lot of work on that, and I would be really interested in picking your brain on that. So um, okay. anyway. All right, well, listen, thanks a lot, and I'm going to let you go, and have a good week. Yeah, you too. All right, bye.